What's up, everybody? We're back. We're here to give a little tribute to our boy Alonzo. And we're going to give a little tribute to Mr. Frank Williams, bro. Sir Frank Williams. Sir, uh, that's right. That's wrong of me, man. It is Sir Frank Williams. Just so you guys know, we'll be back in 48 hours. So we're going to release this on Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday with our... What are we calling Calling it? Are we calling it Saudi or are we calling Jeddah? I think we're going to go back and forth. I like Saudi. I like Jeddah. Um... Yeah, we'll be back. It's Tuesday, November 30th. We've got the special tribute dropping today. And then uh, I believe Thursday, we'll be back with our preview for race weekend. And our boy, Mr. Matthew Lemons, Lemonius, will be joining us. Yes, special guest, um, Title League team member, Matthew Lemonius, a.k.a. Big F1 fan, a.k.a. Lemonius. Uh, It's going to be big. (laughs) Valtteri hater a little bit. Yeah, and you know what? I just want to put it out there. We've got, um, you know, we're manifesting. We might have some special guests coming on the pod in the near future, but won't won't spoil it with names yet. Just stay tuned. Yeah. Um, just make sure you guys make sure you guys uh, rate and review, man. We, we appreciate it. We appreciate all the love. We, usually we do this at the end of the episode, but. Hit know, that follow button, man. Turn on the noties. Is this still follow? It's follow on Apple and Spotify. Okay, so it's follow. Hit us up on our Instagram page, man. We love F1. We want all the passionate F1s to join us on the journey of 2021 and beyond. So with that being said, let's get into it. Who do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Alonzo or Mr. Williams? Sir I mean, Williams. Let's start with Sir Frank Williams, just because it is top of mind. Uh, obviously a true superhero for the sport and inspiration. Uh, an incredible story for someone who chased and followed his dreams in motorsport. He is, um, he's incredible, man. So really I, self-made I did a deep dive. I, it's hard to call anybody self-made because, you know, you have a support system, but as much as you can be self-made, that's Frank Williams, right? Like guy got an F1 team, obviously made his way up from F2, whatever you want to call it, whatever it was called back then. He made his up way up through the junior ranks with, as a team owner, um, Worked in selling car parts, worked in was all that. Was a mechanic. Was a mechanic. Like, did everything he did because he loved racing. And then he got his F1 team. Did okay. Had some good finishes. Went bankrupt. Found money. Found money. Joined with, uh, I don't remember his name, but the head engineer. And now we know Williams Racing today, man. Like, it's an incredible story. Kiki Rosberg days. They won, man. They dominated the sport through the mid-late 80s and... You know what's crazy, though? It's like, shout-out to Kiki, shout-out to Nico. I mean, for, I think that's one of the first father-son racing duels to win world championships. But Williams, all their innovation is the reason why they've won championships. They've been ahead of the game with a lot of their championships. Um, with their floor, they had their side skirts that kind of hit the floor during their first championship run with Kiki. And they then were really the first innovator. They, they were very good at innovating. And, you know, teams like Ferrari... They just think the biggest horse wins, a.k.a. horsepower, which is ridiculous. Um, I mean, Enzo Ferrari used to say, yeah, aerodynamics is just compensating for a bad engine, <laughs> basically. I know, so, right? But Williams came up with the dynamic suspension with uh, traction control and all that stuff, which I obviously got banned when Senna got there. So it was really cool to see how this team was really a pioneer in the game. And they had very successful stints through... Well, two and a half decades, whereas I feel like Ferrari had a very dominant stint and just kind of... But also off. impressive as an independent. 
Yeah, you know what? They call them garageistas. Have you heard of that term? <laughs> no, I haven't. Gar- so, garageista? Something like that. I mean, I can't say it properly because uh, Enzo said it. I mean, with his Italian accent. But basically called them garageistas because they were independents. And he was the last active garageista up until their sale last year, which is really cool. His um, entire life is intertwined with motorsport. And he had, you know some great wins and highs and then you know just the sport can be cruel and and cars and his accident and you think about some of the fatalities that came in williams drivers with two drivers in particular but you know he dedicated his whole life to this regardless of the outcome yeah and you know what they say everybody says he was still a racer at heart to the day he died right so really special you got to think about it like you win multiple world championships. I think it's seven constructors. Yeah, and 12. I don't even know how many drivers, right? But um, when you look back on it, he's obviously hit the pinnacles. And then, obviously, he's hit the lows. He's lost one of his good friends, which was the first driver he lost. His name's not coming to me right now. But um, then he loses Senna. Crazy. And, and, you know, they say he was very close with He called Senna, Senna. a god. Yeah, so, like... And, you know, racing also robbed his mobility from him, right? So, and, crazy, and it's, it's crazy to think that the accident happened off the track, just, you know, pretty much racing home. But he loved the, the, the speed. He loved it. Definitely. Like, he, he, he was addicted to it, right? And um, But for him to all, pretty much, you know, th- they thought that he was going to be done. And they there was also questions of, you know, do you just put him down? But... He wanted to still live and His came wife. back, was pretty much completely paralyzed and was still, his brain was still there. So he found a way to be back involved in at the, at the track. Yeah, his wife was big on that. She wouldn't give up on him. Um, another big thing when you talk about Frank is that uh, he was a great motivator. A lot of people says like he would challenge his drivers. He would make it like he would bring teams together. So very special individual. I mean, I wish I was cognizant of the great Williams days because I feel like I was robbed of Williams. I know we only get to see the Williams that we have today and it's tough because it's not really a true Williams. We saw the latter end of it um, with Claire, but now with the new ownership, I mean, you don't know what direction they're going in. It is always tough when an entire dynasty is built by a family and then the family is no longer involved. Yeah. We want to send our condolences out to Claire and her family. I mean, it's really sad. God bless that the Williams name stays strong. I think they're going to keep it. It stays strong. And, I mean, look at the impact it had on, you know, the best drivers today, like Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, he speaks of Sir Frank Williams as a very kind guy and a guy that was always pushing the bar. So, And same with, you know, not that we're going to get into Nicky Lauda, but it's almost like a reoccurring theme here that the greats give back to F1. Yeah, they, they tend to do that. I mean... I guess when you're just addicted to motorsport, you're addicted to motorsport. Yeah, you want to be around whoever's up and coming, and you want to pass on that knowledge, and you just want to... And it's crazy watching some of those old reruns of, um, you know, Sir Frank Williams at Silverstone. Like, Silverstone is historic, man. It is. I I really want to do Silverstone one day, man. I think Silverstone would be legendary, man. That's why I can't wait for us to get to uh, our first race weekend, just to be around everything from start to finish. There's yeah. that energy, that noise, the the engine starting up. Like, I can't wait for that. Yeah, I can't wait for that either. Um, what do you think, in general, uh, 
the weekend will be like around obviously Sir Frank Williams not being with us anymore. What do you think that looks like next week? Well, there's obviously going to be what we're going to see a lot of tributes for sure. Do we and think everybody wears like a? I think there'll S- be whether S- it's something S- on the overalls or something on the helmet, something that is in tribute to to him. For I'm sure, I'm hoping we see that because he's definitely a pioneer and he's definitely a legend in the game or the sport. And maybe it'd be nice to see a special Williams uh, livery or livery, however we want to say. Hey, bro, we're from the uh, North America, so. I mean, we may be saying it wrong. I think it is livery, though. Yeah, but it would be cool if they did a spec, just they like they you know, Red to. Bull has done their special liveries. Like they have to, they have to, man. I mean, run it out for the rest of the season at least. Maybe they dedicate the whole 2022 season to him, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, his his name is is the the racing name of that team. But right? also, like, what will happen in the future of Williams? Like, how will his legacy be lived on? I don't know, man. I mean, they're they're corporate now. They're not a garageista anymore, right? So it, it's hard to say, man. It, it's really hard to say. I hope Williams makes it back. I mean, I always talk about how much I love Williams' look. And you know what? If George was staying at Williams, I was going to declare myself a Williams fan. <laughs> yeah, they've got it. Def, definitely, I feel like the future has more uncertainty than it does, um, you know, positive. Yeah, well... Any, any last thoughts on Mr. Sir Frank Williams? Rest in peace to a legend, a superhero for the sport. Um, and we hope that the Williams name lives long and strong in F1. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 really, hope, uh, I really hope his family's doing okay. Rest in peace to a legend. Obviously, Virgil also passed away that week, um, the same day. And uh, when everybody said rest in peace to a legend, the first thing I thought was Frank Williams, right? Yeah. It, 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 like... Two icons died in different perspectives, and the first one I think of is Frank Williams because I'm such a big motorsport fan, F1 fan now. So I really hope we see some cool tributes, man. I, I can't wait to see what happens in the next two weeks and see how uh, his legacy is honored. Definitely. In uh, lieu of the special episode tribute, um, we also want to talk and give some flowers to Mr. Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso back on the podium in Formula One. Welcome back, Fernando. He comes home to finish third. That is a brilliant result for him and for the Alpine team. Yeah, you know what? I did a lot of deep dives into Fernando. Well, not deep dives, but, you know, I was a big fan of Fernando because you got to respect the greatness, right? He's a two-time world champion. Yep. Back-to-back, so he obviously... He's gone up against some of the best drivers Ever. Yeah, he stole two from Schumacher, actually. Yeah. Those are the two that before Schumacher retired, and he didn't win. Um, he wasn't in the best equipment. Uh, everybody will say he, he's consistently outperformed uh, his car. So I've always been enamored with Fernando Alonso and what he's been able to do. So we decided we wanted to have a pod. So initially, you weren't a fan of Fernando. Yeah, I but wasn't. You put it on I didn't on have... So I didn't have a lot of the background. So tell, us, tell the fans why you've kind of become a fan of him over the year. Because I've studied the sport a lot more. I've looked at it um, a lot closely. And you have to just appreciate greatness. And then especially to see what he's doing now at 41. You look at what Vettel's doing at, what, 35? What Lewis is doing at, like, 36. And it's like, you know what? For him to be 41 and still competitive in an alpine, alpine, whichever we want to call it, it's impressive. And then you start to kind of dig um, a little deeper and you look at his career. He's really, really special. 
he's not the greatest driver of all time. Like, he's not in that conversation, but he is one of the most special drivers we'll ever see. I mean, I think he he should. You know, he doesn't have four, but he could almost have four. He should be in that conversation with Prost, Vettel. I think that's where he should be. He is. He's at the lower end of that conversation, but he definitely deserves to be mentioned in that conversation. I mean, he's he's eight points away in three championships from being a five-time world champion. He lost by one point in 2007. He lost by four that's points so in like sad. 2012, I want to say. And I think in 2011, he lost by three points. So he's four, uh, eight points away from being a five-time world champion. So it's crazy. Like, and the thing is, like, as you do a deeper dive into Lonzo, because I wasn't a big F1 fan back then, and I wasn't cognizant of it when I did watch it casually with my dad. The man was outperforming teams and cars that he had no business in, right? And even with the Alpine, like, he just shows his skill. Like, we, we looked at um, a video that we talked about is that how he abuses the F1 rules on returning safely as long as you're ahead. So if you're ahead of a car and you go out of bounds what, or off track, sorry, my apologies for using the wrong term, out of bounds. <laughs> if you're ahead, you get to stay ahead, right? So he abused that rule in a couple of races. So it just shows you how craft he is as a veteran. And I really appreciate that just because it's like, hey, man, it's intellect is part of the game, man. It really is. You got to be strategic. You got to be smart as well. And... If you can't make up for it in sheer performance, you have to make up for it in other ways. And you know what? He does that. So he is a real steward of the game, um, student of the game. And ultimately, you know, every sport has its mental side of it. And the mental side can be, if not equally, but greater than the physical side Especially of it. Especially in F1, man. I mean, your physical, I feel like, Obviously, you have your hand-eye coordination, your depth perception, but reaction times, all the rest I th- of it. I think your physical may be a little bit um, less prominent than your mental game because managing your tires, how you're going to take corners, how you want to exit. Like I feel like those things may weigh a little bit heavier than your physical reaction. And so then just also, just mentally, um, you're one of twenty. You have had a lot of success to get to this point. And then you get to this point and you can be at the top at one point and then at the bottom at the other point. Managing expectations is really tough. Yeah, it is really tough, especially when you want to be the best. Like, And like you're always losing. You're always losing. because There can only be one winner, man. Yeah, technically there's only one winner, but in F1, we know there's multiple winners in a race Like if you, if you outperform a car. But at the same time, you're a competitor, so you always want to finish first, but you're not finishing first anymore. We've talked about it with Nikita Mazepin, like, you can see why at such a young age, because he doesn't have the maturity of, say, an Alonso, who is obviously double his age, you just tend to start to hate the sport. It's not fun coming 20th. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> driving for Haas is a lot different than driving exactly. for Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, even driving for Alpine, I mean, you know that realistically you're not going to finish first, but he still put the car in a position to get a podium. He typically puts his car in position to always finish in the top Six or seven. Like, he does the his points. thing. Yeah, he does his thing. Um, so, let's put it on wax for the people. Get it on record. Uh, what's your favorite moment of Fernando Alonso's 2021 season? Is it the fence of Lewis Hamilton? I know you're a Lewis guy, but, like, was it seeing that or was it the podium? Or is there a different moment? I think um, you got to look at the defense against Lewis and holding him up for as many laps as he did because that just showed you 
he has experience and t- talent and skill. He's raced against Schumacher. He's raced against Hamilton. You know, there's very few people that can do that. Lewis would have gone by so many other drivers, but Alonso held him up. And yeah, I think that's the moment that kind of you start to realize, damn, this guy's not washed at all. He's definitely not washed. So stay on that thought process. I'm going to say my one, two cents, and I want to go back to that. So um, my favorite moment, if you look in a bottle, would probably be that. But I really appreciate his podium because how he managed his tires because he was on softs to begin with, how he ran to his hards. and ex- Like, he just ran such a perfect race to get a, a podium. So that's what I really appreciate. And the joy that you saw. Like, Bro, he was, was amazing. so excited as if it was his first podium. I mean, when you haven't sniffed a podium since Max Verstappen was an F1 driver, it's a long time. Also, just want to put this out there. This is also the difference between the drivers that are that upper echelon and then the average. Oh, you mean Valtteri Bottas? I'm not going to... Bottas is not even in this conversation, but I'm talking about someone like a Ricardo. Oh, okay, Ricardo. Because it just shows you, like, is Daniel... Daniel Ricardo... The McLaren car is better than the Alpine. I would agree with that. And it's like, you know... Would I rather have Fernando Alonso at 41 or Daniel Ricciardo supposedly in his prime? Well, they say Fernando Alonso in his younger days was a little toxic. We're not here to bash him at all. But today, I think I think Fernando Alonso is every bit of driver that Danny Ricciardo is, to be honest with you. If not more. Put that on wax. So I want to go back to that thought we had. So let's tie this in and why we did this episode. Um, we both listened to Beyond the Grid. And you were very hyped about it. I was a little late to it. So we wanted to do this pod last week. Didn't work out. So let's talk about the whole Schumacher Lewis and what he had to say. You were you were big on that. So tell the fans what kind of you got, got from that kind of conversation. He has the utmost respect for both of them. And I thought it was going to be heavy like Schumacher and like, oh, you know, Lewis mm-hmm. is this and that. But he spoke equally about both of them. And to hear another um, colleague of those two drivers and someone who was won and lost to them was just special because it really just tells you that Schumacher and Lewis are the only two that are at the top of the mountain. Yeah, you know what? It was really cool to see him respect both of them at such a high level. And I think the one thing that a lot of people think is that Fernando doesn't like Lewis. But after you listen to the pod... He may not like Lewis, but he definitely shows a lot of respect because he said, Lewis is a lot better than you guys think. And I'm obviously paraphrasing because he said he was making a lot of mistakes as a rookie, but you can see how talented he was from day one, right? That's something he really made very clear in the podcast. So that was really cool to hear because you never really get to understand the capability of someone unless you put them next to their driver. That's something that's very consistent. You're in the same car. Well, in the same car, they scored the exact same amount of points in 2007. They were both one point away from winning a world championship. That's right. And that was Lewis's rookie season. Crazy. Rookie year, whatever you want to call it. And Lewis almost won a world championship in his rookie season against the defending world champion in Fernando Alonso. And that's, that's greatness right there. And I think a lot of the other young drivers on the circuit will be quick to make the mistake and say, oh, well, if I had the same car, you know, who knows what the outcome is. But then you have the greats like Alonzo, who is smart enough to realize, yes, he does have a great car, but he is just as great of a driver. Yeah, and then that goes back to, like, those uh, Alpine cars, right? Or Renault, what they were called back then. I think it was Mild 7 Renault, whatever it was called. It was something like that. Um, 
those cars weren't the best cars, man. And, you know, Alonso got the most out of them. So I'm really excited to see how many years he gives us. He says, you know, at least two. You know, it's crazy. When he joined, he only said two more. Like when he when he joined But back. also the fact that he pretty much took a sabbatical, went and did other uh, motorsport, and then came He's back. He's very to close to a triple crown. He just needs a Monaco Grand Prix win. Yeah. So he has a Le Mans win, and he has, I think, the Indy win. So he needs a, Le, uh, a Monaco. Oh yeah, he he's done it at every pretty much every level. Yeah, he he he's special, man. So addicted to motorsport. Talking about how he started addicted. the pod with Sir Frank Williams. This is another individual that is just addicted to driving. Yeah, he. Uh, what do you think he does when he retires, man? I know you don't like Kamoa. <laughs> That's not Alonso. His but little you think, Kamoa brand. You think yeah. he goes all in on Kamoa? I know he owns like I an think, esports um, racing team and stuff like that. But I think you see him closely attached to a team. Maybe you think he joins Alpine with kind of Alan Prost. Maybe um, I really see him as a team principal, man. Really, I see him in a, a total like role. Interesting. He has severe ties to Renault slash Alpine because of his success there, and he's raced there twice. Well, this is his third time around, actually. So. I think he'll be back with Alpine. Maybe he's a uh, principal of Alpine in a couple of years. Maybe. Yeah. Um, you want to give the viewers a little context that haven't listened to Beyond the Grid podcast and uh, explain like the beginning of the season and why Alonso maybe started off a little slow? Yeah. So this was a uh, great context, especially because I didn't know listening to that uh, podcast was the fact that he had a biking uh, incident where he got hit by a car, had to have surgery, um, and was pretty much two weeks completely out of doing anything. So he had to race himself into racing shape. Didn't yeah. get the winter testing that he wanted. So, I mean, pretty remarkable, especially, again, we all know as you age, you just feel a little bit more sore in the morning. So to Your come, body doesn't heal the same. To, to, <laughs> to recover at 41 and then be one of the best 20 athletes in the world, like drive. It's just, it's pretty impressive. It's impressive. And when you think about this way too, it's like winter testing is when you get a lot of time with the car and you really get to feel it. You had to do all of it in the sim. Yeah. It's like, he had to really figure it out on the fly. And you know, he, he's really impressive, man. I, I can't say enough about Fernando Alonso. I'm a big fan, man. I, I'll, I'll put it on. Wax. He, I'm a big and fan. honestly, his pace on the, in the last race, obviously he got the podium, but right from the onset and practice and quality, he was so fast in that car. Yeah, he seems to be fast in any car he gets, man. Like he's he's a pretty fast driver, man. I mean, so it's it will be exciting to see how he closes out these last two races. But also, like if you are Ocon, like you get to soak up so much. Yeah, and it's cool, right? Because you kind of see Alonso not caring about the ego and more. He's really helping out the team, and he's really big on Ocon's development, as what we can see from the outside looking in. So I'm very curious to see if Ocon becomes a world championship level driver. Maybe not a world champion, but eventually at the level of it because he's learning from one of the greatest to ever do it. Anyone who has the ability to be paired up with someone like that, um, you should, you know, Valtteri had all of these years with not just Lewis, but that entire organization at its pinnacle. Mm -hmm. It's like, regardless of Valtteri's performance, when he goes to Alfa Romeo, he best be taking some of that, especially mm -hmm. for his new counterpart in Joe. Mm -hmm. um, you look at, obviously, Ocon and Alonso. You look now at George Russell going to Lewis. Like Those drivers, the secondary drivers, have such 
I don't want to say luck, but very fortunate to have who their counterpart is to teach them. Yeah, I mean, when you look at a lot of those drivers that I've learned from a great, and you can look at um, Schumacher and Rosberg, because Schumacher did spend a year with Rosberg, right? I think, was it two years? It was two well, years. Well, he spent, and with Lewis. Yeah. It was one year with Lewis. No, no, he didn't spend a year with Lewis. I feel like he did. No, no, he spent one year with Nico, because he came back for 2012, and he retired in 2013. Lewis went over to Mercedes in 2013. It was one year. So, one or two years. He spent... One or two years with Nico. Nico became world champion. Um, Nico, so obviously, Lewis spent a year with Alonso, maybe not the best point. So recent memory shows you if you drive with a great, you should be able to soak up a lot and become a great driver. And you know what? I'm looking at you, George Russell, my favorite driver on the grid. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Lance Stroll. You got to, you got hey, man, we talk about a lot. Sebastian Vettel is slept on. He is one of the all-time greats. He is a four-time world champion. Yeah, back like to back how, to back to back. What is that dynamic like? And... Lance better be soaking up a and lot of Seb information. Seb is, Seb can see through the bullshit. Oh man, Seb, Seb is, the, is the leader of seeing through the bullshit, bro. So he, I, I'm sure he can see if it's just, if Lance is just there for a good time and on dad's money, Seb can see through that. So I would love to know what the actual dynamic is between those two because are they actually spending time together? Does Lance show it? Does Lance show a genuine interest in learning from him? Or is it all just, you know? Yeah, you know, you don't really see their relationship too much on social media or anything. So it'd be well, curious Seb to know. Seb is not on socials. Yeah. Or, so that's but even first. on Aston Martin's but page. Do you see it? I, I don't follow I, I haven't Martin. looked into it. But it is a very good point because we also don't, they don't get a lot of necessary, there's not a lot of airtime on Aston Martin um, with the two of them. Really, uh, Seb gets... The airtime. Air so I would love to know just from those within the sport what the dynamic and relationship is between Lance and Seb. Yeah, I would love to know too. I mean, I know Mercedes is going to be very clear on what the dynamic between George and Lewis is because there's such a huge dynamic there, like in terms of, uh, sorry, not a dynamic. There's such a huge uh, media presence on them. But you don't hear anything about Aston Martin and how Lance and Seb are. So I'm very curious. Yeah. So, so. Before we wrap up, a couple quick questions. Does Ocon become a world championship level driver? Not a world champion, but is, is he eventually competing for them, learning from Alonso? Competing. Um, and I mean, like, does he have maybe a couple third or f- third place finishes or t- second place finishes in his career? It's so tough to say, man. He's only like 25, 26, bro. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't know. It's hard because I don't know if Ocon has, has that next level. Like... Just put it on wax, yes or no? <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay, that's cool. Um, what's Alonzo's highest finish in the net before he retires? Before he retires, oh, he'll have, he'll have, he'll have another victory. You think he'll win one more? One more race. I'm all for the energy. I I don't think it'll happen, but I'm I'm hoping it does happen because I'd love to see it. Um, how many podiums do you think he has before he retires? Three more. Three more. Three and more. One of them will be a victory. Yeah. So you think Three. one more per year? I think um, whether it's one more per year or t- however it shapes up, but three podiums, one victory. I think you'll have five more. Wow. I have a feeling Alp- Alpine, Alpine, by it's the way, every, really time I, every time I said Alpine or Alpine, I've, I've had to question it because I don't know what's the correct Well, I s- say Alpine, and then on race day, they say Alpine. And Some of them like, say Alpine, though, right? So, I don't know. I just, I just, it would be better if it was still just Renault. So, the reason why I think 
Fernando will get five more is because since the halfway mark of the season, like close to Silverstone-ish, maybe a little earlier than that, he's constantly been in the top seven, top five, right? So we obviously know he was behind getting used to the car. So he got used to the car and he's performed very well since then. So I think with another year behind his knowledge, giving that back to the Alpine team with Alan Prost, we know we don't like Alan Prost, but you got to give him his flowers. Um, I think they're just going to get better. So I really think he has another, maybe two per year. I think he has two per year. So four, four or five, that's what I think. But I'll go with five. Man, it's just crazy to think like, you know, think about you and me. He's 10 years, 10 years plus older than you, almost 10 years older than me. And this guy's driving an F1. Yeah, there's no way I could drive an F1. You can give me a year to get ready for F1 and there's no way I can drive an F1. <laughs> it's actually crazy. Like, how does he, his, he is just, it's greatness, man. Well, you know, I, I did a little dive into his documentary. They say he's competitive in everything. He everything does. he does. Everything, right? I know they said that on the Beyond the Grid, but I was doing a little bit more of a dive. That's got to be it, man. Like, he just has, he has this, like, intense fire inside him inside of him just to compete, 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 right? So, I mean, the more we talk about him, the more a fan of I, I am of him. And I'm just enjoying watching his career kind of play out. It's kind of like watching, um, I mean, it's not kind of, it is watching a legend just ride out in the and, sunset, but he's still doing but it he's well. he's still doing it. And that's the thing, like, you know, we saw Kimmy's, like, Kimmy is being irrelevant. Kimmy's a great driver because he's always had a stint. He won a world championship. He actually won the 2007 one to beat Lewis and Alonso by one point. Yeah. But um, he is definitely not at the level of Alonso. He he is. And that's the thing. Like, you don't want to see a driver kind of finish like that. And there's no indications that Alonso is going downhill. There's no, no if anything, he's on a massive surge. Can you see him racing past 45? I don't know what the record is. But um, I think the oldest driver was like way back was like 50 years old, like 49. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. But like in the modern era, 45 is like kind of ridiculous because you have guys like Nick DeVries. You have a bunch of F2 uh, Formula E champions. There's a a ton on the come up. Yeah, exactly. That don't even get to sniff F1 seat. So you being 45. If you're racing at 45, you got to still be super competitive because if you're not, you're just taking up a seat. 100%. 100%. So does he give us till 2025? Yes or no? I don't think so. You think he's done in 2024? Yeah. I think he passes a torch. And as the competitor that we've learned he is, he will not want to compete if he's 15th through 20th every week. So you think 2024 is when he hangs up the, the yeah. gloves? Yeah, I think so. What are we saying for the retirement? Is it hang up the gloves, hang up the boots? What are we saying? Or steering wheel? Yeah, I don't know. Well, let, let's 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 find out on that one and come back. But what are you doing? Are you hanging it up? I don't know. What do they call it? I, I think it's hanging up the steering wheel, bro. <laughs> but you know what? I can see him in another uh, motorsport after he retires from F1. Like, I can literally see him doing that. So, I don't think he retires from motorsport at the age of 45. I think he's done in F1 by 2000. I think he finishes at 45. 45 is a good number. Yeah. I really think he races another four years, if he can. Well... Time will tell, man. Time Fernando will tell. Alonso. Any special, last words? special tribute uh, to Sir Frank Williams and giving the flowers to Fernando Alonso. Love this episode. It's a good episode, man. Any last words for our viewers? Listen, make sure you're locked in. We got Saudi coming up in less than 48 hours. You're going to hear from us. We got race weekend back. 
this is this is it, man. Like the championship battle, two races to go. Are we gonna see fireworks? You mean like literal fireworks? I I think you I like think Montage that fireworks? we're gonna see a Max and Lewis collision. So if guys, you're Max, you're laying it all on the line for this chip. I don't think there's a collision today. I think there's a collision in the final race. Sorry, not today. I don't think there's a collision in Saudi. I think there's a collision in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Abu Dhabi. But I will say this: if Lewis does not win this weekend, Kurt will be in a bad mood. Oh, extremely bad mood. <laughs> it might not be a good podcast Listen, like this one. <laughs> Lewis, if you win, it's incredible. And if you lose, you're the only person to blame. So let's put it on wax. Are you wearing your white Mercedes gear if he wins? Of course. I got to keep the tradition going. You didn't wear it last time. I did. No, you didn't. I went and got it. No, he won the last two races. I swear I went and got it. You wore it when he won uh, Brazil, not Qatar. We got to double check. With that being said, make sure you guys go follow, rate, and review. Lift and Coast, the best F1 podcast. In the world, man. We're producing the most content. Listen, put it on wax. We'll put it on wax. So we'll check you guys in 48 hours. Peace.